Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in the virtual studios in South Bend, Indiana, at the campus of the University of Notre Dame. And sitting across from me is my friend and the man who first developed the flea flicker, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. <laughs> hey, Ken. How you doing, my friend? I am well. You know, the flea flicker came uh, as an idea because I saw the dog flicking fleas off of himself. I said, hey, wait a minute. I wonder if you can apply that to sports somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're a Notre Dame alumnus. So, I mean, and of course, Notre Dame is where the forward pass was developed. So I figured all all great innovations in football must have basically started here is what I basically learned and during your time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Deacon, we are uh, now, uh, we're, we're in Lent. I mean, where Lent is is here, and um, this is, I know, your busiest time of travel because you are like almost literally around the world, except you're kind of domestic for this for most of this Lent, aren't you? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, no overseas until uh, until after Lent. Okay. Um, but yeah, again, a lot of these are um, rescheduled. Sure. engagements that were uh, what I call COVID cancellations yep, uh, yep. from 2020 and early 21. So um, so I'm grateful to be back out and I'm thanking the people for their patience, you know, and, and let them know how grateful I am to be at the parishes and, and uh, being able to uh, share God's word with them. Yeah. So when you uh, are at a parish, you know, uh, preaching a parish mission, uh, especially in the Lenten season, do you key your um, preaching and your your topics to that particular week, or are they more general Lenten themes? I mean, what's how, how do you uh, how do you come up with what you're going to speak about at a, any given parish? Well, the parishes typically choose. So I have a list of talks that I give on a variety of different topics: sure. male spirituality, sacraments, marriage and family and other um, like, like topics on atheism and staying awake in the woke culture, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a Catholic response to racism, you know, those kinds of things. And so the parish picks, and typically during Lent, they pick Lenten themes, you know, um, talks that, that bring people to a, a deeper love of Christ, but focusing on the penitential season of Lent. So invariably, I talk about the reconciliation, <laughs> you know, and, sure. and the mass and adoration and those kinds of things. And which again, I'm I'm always very excited and and, uh, and grateful to be able to to share uh, some of the, the the beauty and the richness of the church with people all around the uh, United States. I was going to say North America, but I haven't haven't been back to Canada yet. Uh, okay. Canada's still you know dealing with stuff. So <laughs> sure, sure, wow. So, uh, but I, uh, again, all throughout the country. So. That's awesome. And I know you get to spend a little bit of time in the Midwest on occasion as well. I mean, you're sometimes within an hour or two of me here in uh, in South Bend. And uh, it, I know it's always been a joy to be able to run into you uh, at, as you're preaching the gospel. And that's a good time. Yeah, yeah, it is. Renew I, I our friendship. Around, so I, yeah. I always yeah. try to make sure I, I, I say hi to folks. Uh, and I, I sometimes I forget. I mean, I, there's so many people. I'm traveling so many places. I forget who lives where. 
So I just, I found this thing. I just go to my contacts on my phone. I just type in the city and it pulls up everybody that lives in that city. I'm like, ah, so ah. I should have been doing that from the start. <laughs> that way people, people say, you wait, you were here. You didn't contact me. I'm like, oh, oh dang, I forgot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm focused on what I need to be doing. You know, sure, I'm not thinking sure. about visiting people and stuff, but, but yeah. I'm going to do a better job of that now. Because one thing I learned from COVID, you can't take your relationships or people for granted. You know, just if you have opportunities to tell people you love them or to see them, we should we should definitely be doing that. That's an excellent, excellent point. And, and it's never too late to start, even right now. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Well, Deacon, last week we started talking about your brand new book, uh, the book that in some ways was the fruit of your uh, extended time at home because you weren't able to travel. So it allowed you time to sit down and write. And it's this wonderful new book called Our Life of Service, The Handbook for Catholic Deacons. And it's brand new from Ave Maria Press, uh, which is right here in uh, Notre Dame, Indiana. And uh, so we talked a little bit about how the book came about and and, uh, a little bit about what deacons are uh, last week. Um, And so we're going to continue our conversation about this book. And I want to know, just tell us a little bit about the structure of your book. What kinds of things do you explore in this handbook? All right. So basically the book's in three parts. The first part is kind of the spirituality of diaconal service, right? What is exactly is the spiritual aspect of of this deacon as a servant? Mm -hmm. You know, so for example, you have a deacon and a lay person working and they say visit the Paul conference in a parish. What's the difference? They're both, they're both, they're both quote unquote doing the same thing, right? Right, right. So what is, what is that spirituality? And the second part of the book then then how that spirituality is carried forward in the things that the deacon does. And then second, um, the deacon in the parish, you know, so the deacon as a minister of the word, uh, wife and children, you know, like in the parish, but then how you balance that, your parish life and your home life, um, and then uh, serving kids, but also the, the, the young people in the parish as well, especially teenagers. And then um, serving in the wider community, uh-huh. Uh, so outside of the parish and then, of course, ongoing formation, you know, what kinds of things should deacons be doing to continue to form themselves so they can uh, we can continue to serve the people of God in the way that the Lord and the church asks us to. Awesome. Well, now, one of the other things that you include in each chapter is a a reflection from one of your brother deacons and like that is keyed to the theme of each chapter. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your brothers. How, how did you invite these fellows to write and, and who are they? Yeah. So one of the things that Ave Maria thought would be cool. Uh, well, I, well, I thought it was cool. I said, I want to incorporate somehow contributions from other deacons. And I wanted to make sure I included guys with different races, mm-hmm. different parts of the country, that serve in busy parishes or and also rural parishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted guys that were ordained for a long time, some guys that are newly ordained, to really get a broad perspective. So at the end of every chapter, I have one of these guys just share a reflection. I share more of a theological reflection, and these guys share more of a practical reflection on how they are living out, you know, what we're talking about in the chapter. You know, so Deacon Wally. Uh, Calabrese. He serves in a rural parish in the Diocese of Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. And um, I met him. I was speaking at the um, Ignited by Truth conference, a huge conference. 
And uh, he had asked me, you know, if, uh, you know, I, he saw I was coming and reached out to me and said, hey, if you got some time after the conference, we have a little parish, you know, on the coast, love for you to come down. You know, so I did. I did. I had some time. So I went down there and met him and um, his beautiful wife. And it was awesome. Deacon Dominic Serrato is the uh, editor of the Deacon magazine, which okay. is published by uh, our Sunday visitor. Sure. Uh, Deacon Serrato and I met at a conference in San Antonio at a marriage conference, and um, he's a PhD, and he's written several books on the diaconate. And so uh, I wanted to make sure I got, again, as a well-educated guy, I wanted to make sure I got his perspective. Mm -hmm. um, Deacon Tom Fox is, um, him and his wife run a really awesome ministry in San Antonio, Texas. And he left his job, he was in hotel management, left his job to work full-time uh, for the Pilgrim Center of Hope. And they do pilgrimages, and now they do men's retreats, women's retreats, uh, conferences, rather, and also one for the elderly. You know, they oh. have a conference. It's really, it's really a, a beautiful, beautiful ministry they have together. And so I got him because they, uh, unfortunately, when they were unable to have kids. And so, um, so I talked about, I have him write about serving his wife. Sure. Deacon Chip Jones is a deacon out of Memphis, uh, Tennessee. Met him at a men's conference there. Just a great guy that really understands working like, for example, with men ministry and, and, and uh, heavily into parish life. Deacon Greg Kandra is kind of famous, if you will. You know, a lot of deacons know who he is. He, he has a very popular ministry called the Deacon's Bench. He's a, a blogger, author. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I met him in person because they uh, during the year of uh, mercy that Pope Francis called for, there were four of us um, who were chosen uh, by Rome to go and speak, representing the United States at, at the uh, at the world meeting of deacons in Rome, and so I got a chance to meet him uh, and, and uh, talk to him. Then Greek, uh, Greg Deacon Greg Morgan, newly ordained, maybe a little little over a year now. Oh wow! Uh, I've known him for years. Uh, I used to go to uh, invited to Lubbock, Texas, where he lives, and um, we became fast friends there and uh, he he was just started the diaconal journey when i first met him and now he's a deacon and so i wanted his perspective deacon mike Oles runs an awesome ministry for um for the homeless you know it's really one of the most impressive ministries i've seen that, that has such a, a, a significant impact on on the life of uh, uh on the life of the faithful it's just really crazy. i want to make sure i got his story in there deacon larry oney Another guy out of uh, Louisiana, New Orleans, doing incredible work overseas. Oh. Um, yeah, has a, a, a powerful evangelization ministry and does a lot of great work in, uh, in on the continent of Africa. Uh, so I wanted him in there to talk about that work that he's doing. Deacon James Thurman, you know, we both know. He's a deacon in right. the Archdiocese of Portland mm -hmm. in Oregon, also newly ordained. Um uh, so wanted to get his, you know, he has a bunch of kids and wanted to get his perspective on balancing, you know, how's he, how's he put together homilies and things like that. He's a great preacher. Um, deacon Dom Tracy is a deacon whose wife died. So he's living out the diaconal service ministry as, as a celibate, uh, you know, now. Sure. And so I want to get that perspective as well. And then finally, deacon um, Vutan An, 
who I was ordained with (laughs) Uh, almost 20 years ago now. Um, He is a Vietnamese and and doing great work. He founded St. Therese Ministries, which ministers to uh, poor elderly people. Uh, It started off in his native country of Vietnam. And now it's like about four or five different countries where he's running that now. It's just incredible. So. Well, that's awesome because they, as you say, they represent not only different ages, but different types of ministry, uh, as well as different uh, experiences within their own uh, ministry. That's a, a neat way. Now, we talk about the brotherhood uh, of deacons. You know, like I know that that's an important uh, aspect of your ministerial life is that you share this this bond of ordination, but also the bond of your responsibility to preach the gospel. And so uh, to draw upon the Brotherhood of Deacons is a a kind of a great resource in that sense. Yeah, it's true. Um, You know, uh, the United States has more deacons than any place else in the world. Okay. We have over 30,000 deacons in the the country. And, um, you know, a lot of us, again, the training of deacons was kind of all over the place. Sure. uh, When it was reinstituted. And so... um, but all of us have, have gone through this journey, you know, all of us, um, you know, bring different skill sets, different um, abilities, different gifts, you know, and, and so, um, but we all have the same goal to, to really bring people to a deeper love of Jesus Christ and, and the Catholic faith, you know, um, rolling up our sleeves and getting ourselves, you know, not being afraid to get our hands dirty uh, mm-hmm. in the work of the Lord in the vineyard. You know, going out there from eight to five, you know, doing <laughs> doing what God has called us to do. And there is a, a brotherhood and a camaraderie that comes with that. Um, and so when I travel around and I'm serving with my brother deacons in different parishes, you know, it's really is a joy. You know, and and, and uh, sometimes we talk shop, sometimes we just talk about our families. And it's just a, a wonderful way of, of sharing um, uh that brotherhood and the shared ordination, you know, that, that, that we all have. I remember the, one of the most poignant moments for me, Ken, is um, my ordination was the litany of the saints. I remember laying there with my, with my face down on the marble floor and um, hearing the litany of saints. And when they got to Ephraim, of Vincent, Ephraim, Lawrence, Francis of Assisi, Stephen, I was like, man, you know, who am I? To fight, like, as those are our brothers. I'm like, I'm about to become brothers with these guys. And who am I to follow in the footsteps of these amazing men, you know, who are saints and doctors of the church and martyrs? And, you know, and I'm just some schmo from Jersey, man. <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that's one thing that, that all the deacons share. We do have that, that bond um, that not only, I think it's a bond of, where we can support each other, mm-hmm. but it's also a, a spiritual bond. Where, um, where we're working together really as one uh, in the body of Christ. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about that, the formation process? As you mentioned, you know, the formation process has been inconsistent, especially early on, but I think now the, uh, the Con- U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops particularly has guidelines for uh, formation of permanent deacons and things. Can you, can you talk a bit about that, even knowing that within individual dioceses it's going to be kind of a, a localized particular set of decisions? 
Sure. And in fact, the U.S. bishops just updated those guidelines uh, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, it's uh, uh, it's a, basically a, a document on the formation and, and life of permanent deacons in the United States. And so basically how it goes is um, a man may think that he's called to the diaconate or people may have said, hey, you'd be a great deacon. Or maybe even the priest may have suggested it. You know, and first thing he's do is talk to his wife if he's married. Sure. You know, you got to do that, you know, um, to make sure you're both on the same page. Right. And so then you go to your priest. And then if the priest thinks, hey, yeah, I think this would be, you know, this would be good for you. I could, I could definitely see this. Then you begin this, the discernment process. And that begins by applying and being accepted um, by the um, by the diocese or archdiocese. And then um when the next class begins and some some dioceses there's classes every other year some dioceses the classes they let a full class go through to the end before they start another class so it mm -hmm. might be four or five years in between classes sure you know so so it de depends on what the bishop wants the first step is called the propedeutic year or discernment year and those are basically long weekend retreats once a month where they start going through, here's what the deacon is, here's what the expectations are, here's what the spirituality is like, you know, and, and typically you go with your wife and you're discerning, is God calling us to this right now? Um, and and the, also the diocese is discerning if the man is is called sure, uh, sure. to this as well. And typically once you get past the propedeutic year, then there's like a formalized process where there's a formal application, which is very long, psych tests, credit check, um, criminal background, all the typical stuff. Um, and then you begin the formal formation program. And um, in some dioceses, most dioceses do not require master's degrees. Some do. Um, but most of them are just classes taught by priests um, or by theology professors and things like that. Um, some places use seminaries. So, for example, us in Detroit, Archdiocese of Detroit, the men use Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit. And they the seminary there is set up to do classes for men who work full-time. Okay. So they understand you have a full-time job, you have families, and they build and structure the, the classes around that kind of work schedule. When I was going through, there were um, weekend classes. They went Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday um, for 10 months out of the year for three years. Um, wow. Because and we had to get master's degrees, and and we did that schedule because you have to meet the same in order to keep the accreditation. You have to have the same amount of contact hours as if you were actually in class, like you know, three days a week or whatever, like for forty minutes, right? You know that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, so that's that's what we did, and then after, then sometime along that th those next several years, and most dioceses is four to five year process now. Some are longer. Like um, in uh, uh, Phoenix, it's, I think, six or seven years because the men have to do a lay formation program first, then they start a diaconate program. Okay. Wow. So you put all that together, that, that adds another year or two sure. on, onto the whole process. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, a lot of places, thanks be to God, take it very seriously now. And most of the guys are very well formed. And during that time, some guys drop out. Sure. You know, they, they discern, ah, this is not right now where the wife decides, you know what, you know, it's too much with the kids right now. We got too much stuff going on, maybe later kind of a thing. 
Yeah. Um, and along the way, you get the what they call the minor orders. So you get in, in, officially installed by the bishop as a lector and then as an acolyte. Mm-hmm. And then later on as a candidate, a formal candidate for ordination. Um, and then the last year, particularly you, you learn all the liturgical stuff. You do, uh, you mean you learn how to do prison ministry, hospital ministry, kind of more practical hands-on kind of stuff. Wow. And then, you know, um, then comes ordination. And, and that's when you know that God has called you up until that point. You know, you're not, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure God's calling me this, but when the bishop lays his hands on your head, that's when you know for sure that you're, you're called to be a deacon. To that point, it's discernment, ongoing discernment. That's right. Uh, until it's the- just like when people come to me for marriage prep, they think, oh, we're getting married. And I think, oh, you're still discerning. Right, <laughs> you know? right, so- right. Uh, I mean, that seems like a tremendous commitment, as you say, you know, that can go on for six, seven years, perhaps. But at the same time, it makes a lot of sense that it would be such a commitment because we're not talking about a hobby that you're going to be able to drop in just a few years after you you've mastered this hobby and now you move on to the next one. We're talking about actually um, a change in in as you uh, word you've used before character that puts an indelible mark upon the soul of the ordinand an indelible mark uh, that again indelible can never be wiped away the deacon is configured to christ the servant and that's kind of what what uh, the preparation is for both to appreciate and to understand what one is called to but then also to prepare one's soul to receive the graces that come in ordination as well yeah, absolutely. And, and during that time, you know, we there's intellectual formation, spiritual formation, human formation, you know, um, because we have to make sure that the, the person to be ordained is well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to know theology. I mean, they don't have to become PhDs or, you know, anything like that. But you have to know. I mean, when someone comes to you that's struggling um, with contraception or struggling with pornography, you just can't say, well, you just have to stop. Or, I mean, you, can't, you, you have to be able to talk about or they may be struggling with the church teaching on those on those sec, uh, 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 sexual issues. Um, you got to be able to talk about why the church teaches what it does. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not trying necessarily to convince them, but you have to be able to articulate clearly, not your opinion, but you must teach what the church teaches and why the church teaches it. Um and you got to believe it with your heart that this is what the church teaches is true and good and beautiful. And so the person may leave you still thinking, okay, that's a lot to take in. I need to sit down and pray about that. I need to sit down and think about this, you know, and hopefully they'll come back to you, right? And say, okay, right. tell me some more or, you know, so, so you're journeying what Pope Francis calls what accompanying people, right? Mm-hmm. And you're being mm-hmm. with people in those moments where they're trying to go deeper. They're trying to struggle with their faith. They're trying to learn more about the church's teaching. They're trying to align their life uh, with the natural moral law and, and what they know to be objectively true. And, and those are very poignant moments in people's lives. You know, sometimes you're going to be in the hospital when, when the spouse is dying mm-hmm. and you're going to be there, represent the church for them at that moment, you know, or you're preaching a homily. And then, you know, th- what you say in that homily, a young lady out there has changed her mind about getting the abortion she was planning to get because she heard people speaking the beauty of the truth. I mean, so, I mean, on all those things, those things have happened to me over the last 20 years, you know? Um, and, and so it's all by God's grace, but you have to cooperate with that grace. 
and um, and align yourself with the the training because the diocese know what they're doing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and the beautiful part is that you can have a master's degree like I do, or you could be not even graduate from college, you know, and still be as effective um, as a deacon because of the way you're you're ministering in people's lives. Sure, sure. Uh, can you speak a little bit about the different types of backgrounds of of men that are you know that that are called to the diaconate i mean i think that kind of you're hinting at it right there in in a way not everybody is a a scholar not everybody is able perhaps even to to um you know earn a master's degree and yet god may be calling them as well how does you know what sorts of guys respond to this caller or receiving this call yeah, again, you have all kinds of guys from all all spectrums of life. So you have men who went uh, from high school into the military, mm-hmm. never went to college. Mm-hmm. You know that that are uh, that, that they feel they're being called by God to diaconal ministry. You have guys um, uh, like myself that are not from the United States that are immigrants to this country that come here and uh, you know um, are building a life for themselves or for their families that, and then God calls them to serve as deacons. You got guys like, like I said, Deacon Serrato, who's a PhD, you know, mm-hmm. brilliant guy. Um, you have doctors, attorneys, you have um, uh, custodians, you know, you have uh, airline pilots, you, you know, uh, well, lawyers, I don't think you become deacons because they're going to hell. Oh no. Oh, wait, 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 did I say that? Sorry. Inside voice. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just, I always joke with, I always joke with attorneys. I, of course. I actually love, I know many, many very, very excellent attorneys who, who are serving the Lord. Well, I always joke with them. <laughs> um, yeah, so you have you have men from all different backgrounds. If you look at the apostles, you know, um, and, and those first seven deacons, same thing. These are men from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different countries that have come together um, because they feel they got that singular call to serve, a, again, as permanent, consecrated, sacramental signs and witnesses. Of, of the service ministry of Christ. Well, that is uh, an inspiring message for us each to hear because we're all called to be in relationship with Christ and we all have a vocation. God is calling us all to something. Uh, and uh, we've been talking about the ministry and the vocation of the deacon uh, because our own beloved deacon Harold Burke Sivers has this brand new book, Our Life of Service, the Handbook for Catholic Deacons. And uh, we're going to continue chatting about this over the next few weeks, kind of exploring the different um, the different areas of service of the deacons. But uh, we're going to pick up the conversation next week, deacon. Um, we invite you to listen to the all of the previous episodes of our conversation. Go to Living Stones Media on your Facebook page, or you can also download the previous episodes of the show at materdeiradio.com. But uh, deacon, until we gather next week, might we have a blessing? Well, Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Mater Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.